It's Wednesday, January the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden calls for filibuster change and Boris Johnson under pressure. First, the world in brief. Speaking in Georgia, Joe Biden endorsed a limited change to the Senate filibuster to pass voting rights legislation. The filibuster, a manoeuvre that lets the minority party block legislation that cannot secure a three-fifths majority, has hampered Democrats' legislative agenda. Mr Biden wants a narrow, quote, carve-out to enact voting reforms. He is unlikely to get it. Several Democratic senators oppose changing the rules. There were calls for Boris Johnson to resign as Britain's Prime Minister, even among some members of his party. If it is proven that he and his aides broke strict lockdown rules to hold a bring-your-own-booze party in Downing Street in 2020. Mr Johnson refuses to say whether he attended the event, citing an ongoing investigation, though eyewitnesses place him there. The World Health Organization said it was too early to begin treating COVID-19 as an endemic disease and that half the population of Europe would be infected within the next two months at current rates of growth. The continent was facing a, quote, west-to-east tidal wave, it said. Although Omicron is proving less severe in highly vaccinated Western Europe, Eastern countries are generally less protected. The World Bank said that global growth would decelerate sharply in 2022 because of new Covid variants, rising inflation and policy uncertainty. It forecast the global economy would expand by 4.1%, down from 5.5% in 2021. Rich countries are expected to reach pre-pandemic levels of output only by 2023. The recovery for poor countries could take even longer. Citadel Securities sold a $1.15 billion stake to Sequoia Capital, a venture capital firm, and Paradigm, a crypto-focused investment outfit. The deal, the first outside investment for the electronic trading company, values the firm at around $22 billion. Citadel Securities, majority owned by Ken Griffin, a hedge fund billionaire, will use the money to expand around the world. America's Department of Justice said it was establishing a new unit to tackle domestic terrorism. An official said there was an, quote, elevated threat from violent extremists who were motivated by, quote, racial animus and, quote, extremist anti-government and anti-authority ideologies. The number of FBI investigations into such people had more than doubled since the spring of 2020, he said. Taiwan announced further support for Lithuania in the form of a $1 billion credit fund to support trade between the two countries. The move follows a $200 million investment announced last week and purchases by Taiwan of Lithuanian exports. In December, China, which claims Taiwan as its own, turned on the Baltic state for allowing a de facto Taiwanese embassy in its capital. And fact of the day. 135 minutes. 
how long it takes to travel the 500 kilometres or so from Madrid to Galicia, thanks to the country's high-speed railway network. And now here's today's agenda. America's struggle with inflation. Another month, another unwelcome milestone. Figures due on Wednesday are expected to show that American consumer prices rose by 7.1% in December, compared with a year earlier. For the third straight month, that will mark a nearly four-decade high for inflation. More worrying, price pressures have recently broadened out from consumer goods such as cars and televisions to wages and rents. That has reinforced expectations that the Federal Reserve will act decisively to curb inflation. For now, the Fed is still pumping money into the financial system through bond purchases, although at a reduced pace since November. Investors and economists think it will pivot quickly, raising interest rates as soon as March. Such a sharp turn for monetary policy from easing to tightening brings risks as underlined by the stock market sell-off of the past week. But that may be a necessary price to pay in order to quell inflation. Green light for the green list? Members of the EU have until Wednesday to comment on the European Commission's proposed taxonomy, a 550-page attempt to classify what counts as sustainable investment, the draft of which was published on December 31st. Some have already opined. The Commission included some nuclear and natural gas projects in the list, angering Austria, Germany and others. But the taxonomy is still likely to get support from enough countries to be approved later in the year. It could become a global gold standard offering a common set of criteria that investors and banks can use to screen investments and prompt them to release more data on the carbon intensity of their portfolios. It could also underpin certifications for issuers of green bonds and other securities. Less obvious is whether the taxonomy's mere existence will be enough to boost appetite for greenery among investors who also care about companies' earning prospects creditworthiness and interest rates. To be tempted by Europe's green menu, they may need proper carrots. Boris Johnson's partygate woes deepen. The gregariousness of Britain's Prime Minister is an integral part of his appeal to voters, but it might yet prove his downfall. On Monday, evidence of yet another apparent breach by Downing Street of the government's own COVID-19 rules emerged. On May 20, 2020, a senior aide invited about 100 staff to a bring-a-bottle party in the Downing Street garden, breaking the prohibitions on such gatherings in force at the time. Worse, the Prime Minister himself turned up, according to eyewitnesses. The party will be investigated by a senior civil servant, Sue Gray. She is already in charge of looking at Mr Johnson's other alleged Covid breaches. The jaunty tone of the invitation has infuriated many. 
In one snap poll by Savanta Comres, a market research firm, two-thirds of adults surveyed that Mr Johnson should resign. Ominously, many Tory MPs share their anger. There may be fewer supporters at Mr Johnson's next shindig. A new legislative session in Hong Kong. In the old days, empty seats in Hong Kong's Legislative Council meant that its feisty opposition politicians were boycotting the chamber or had been kicked out. But since 2016, when the previous legislative term began, China has made sure only its supporters win seats. An election in December duly returned 90, quote, patriots. Embarrassingly, however, dozens of them may be absent on Wednesday from the first session of the year. Hong Kong's, quote, zero Covid strategy worked well in 2021. But this year began with a cluster of infections. Unluckily for the 200 of Hong Kong's elite, including 20 members of LegCo, who attended a birthday party on January 3rd, two guests later tested positive. That means three weeks isolation for the partygoers in a quarantine camp or at home. Some guests also fail to use the government's contact tracing app. Catching Covid is highly stigmatised in Hong Kong and China. Breaking social distancing rules is anything but patriotic. A lofty new book about climbing. Most celebrated mountaineers have been men, but many of the best books about climbing are by women. Honouring some of the classics of climbing literature, Time on Rock, a new book by Anna Fleming, is a fine introduction to the genre. The book tells the story of a young woman's climbing life, from nervous apprentice to lead climber. It is also a kind of philosophical engagement with rocks. Quote, I think through my hands, Miss Fleming writes, grappling with the, quote, textures and densities of rock which erode in their own characteristic style. Miss Fleming's book pays tribute to other greats, including Nan Shepherd, a mountaineer and memoirist, and Helen Mort, a poet. Avoiding the narrative of triumph and tragedy, her book joins those which tread a line between nature writing and climbing literature. Miss Fleming goes deep into the mountain landscape and the minds of those who choose to spend their lives on rock. Winter Quiz Week 5 The battle with our baristas grinds on. As in previous weeks, we'll serve you a new question each day. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. We forgot to serve up yesterday's question, so with apologies, here is Tuesday's question also. Tuesday. Which US poet made radio broadcasts on behalf of the Mussolini regime during World War II? Wednesday. 
Who is the current chief executive of Goldman Sachs? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Edmund Burke, who was born on this day in 1729. Whenever a separation is made between liberty and justice, neither, in my opinion, is safe. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.